0: Hey, everyone. It's Sanira here. As you may know, CEO School is officially part of the HubSpot Podcasting Network. We're now part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Being Boss, hosted by Emily Thompson. Being boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be a boss as a creative business owner, freelancer, or side hustler. I enjoyed listening in as Amy, along with her guest, Nikki Nash, discuss very practical ways to create a marketing plan that works. Listen to Being Boss wherever you get your podcast, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network.
1: Uh, Thank you for the introduction. My name is Becca, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Dubzotto. If you haven't heard of it, Dubzotto is a business management software. So anything from sending contracts, proposals, invoices, uh, scheduling those meetings, Dubzotto is this business hub to keep everything in one place and I started it out of necessity. I was about six years ago, plus I was a photographer. My husband was managing a retreat center. We had a two-year-old and a newborn on the way, and life was definitely a little hectic as I'm sure all of you here can relate. And I just needed something that, a system to keep all my contracts in to make sure that my payments and my payment reminders were getting followed up with automatically, And there were a lot of systems. It's a very saturated market. And there were a lot of systems, but it just didn't feel like me. I couldn't add my branding to anything. I couldn't make it feel like me. And so I looked at my husband who was dabbling in programming at the time. And I said, we got to make something. We got to do it. So bless his heart, he went out and made a software for me. And uh, that is what we have today as Dubzotto six years later, we just celebrated our sixth birthday in February. And uh, it's been a very exciting time. We have gone from just me and Jake to now a team of 50 employees. And uh, yeah, we are all self-funded and it's been a wild ride and it definitely has not been easy. <laughs> there have been some hardships along the way, but um, it has definitely been quite the learning experience. And I'm even more excited for what the next six years look like in terms, in terms of learning.
2: <laughs> well, congratulations, Becca, on uh, the sixth anniversary of your company. Um, talk to us a little bit about that turning point when you knew you needed um, software, software, uh, how did that conversation go with your husband when you said, "Like, can you build this? Can you build this for me?" What did you even ask for? What was that starting point when you knew you needed something digital?
1: Yeah, it's if you ask my husband Jake, he'll tell you a different story than if you ask me. Can we have him on. <laughs> I know, right? Um, no, but I will make sure to tell both sides. <laughs> About a year prior to when I had this realization that I needed a software to keep all my stuff. He actually came to me and he said, I want to create this client software that I can, you know, keep all of my retreat stuff and in one place. And he just kind of had it very general. And I was like, Jake, that sounds so boring. No one wants to start a software CRM. That's like, that's very stale. I don't like that. Okay. Okay. Then a year later, I was like, actually, Jake, I really (laughs) need this. And I think for me, that turning point was was out of necessity, but it also, what made me feel connected to starting it was um, the need. And it was a a niche that I felt very connected to. It was something as a photographer, Jake, as a a web designer and a retreat coordinator needed it as well. So that was our turning point. We saw a, a missing point in the market of things weren't customized well enough, didn't have heavy enough workflows and automation. So we set out to create that. And because we were so passionate about that and it was such a need, we just kept pushing further and further because we needed the software ourselves.
2: Right. So, so that was really born and those are kind of different, different niches, right? So even though they're creative Mm -hmm. service-based entrepreneurs, managing a retreat house, being a photographer and being a web designer, those are very different um, profiles. What profiles do you serve today?
1: Yeah. So we very quickly realized that it was definitely not just for photographers we fell mostly in the creative service-based business. We definitely started off very creative. Then we noticed that doulas were using Dubzado, lawyers were using Dubzado accountants, and we started getting other niches. So now it's definitely just service-based business owners. And we made sure to not totally niche down too hard uh, because I know some other systems out there like really brand to photographers and really brand to web designers. And that's great. That works for them. But uh, with Dubsado, we keep it very general because you can add all your customizations. And we found that more broader niche as our perfect sweet spot.
2: That's, that's super cool. And I, and I imagine that's really cool that when you find out that, you know, doulas or other um, just people that you never imagined would be using that kind of service yes. is now using using your product. Um, but you talk a lot about uh, the services that Dubsado now offers. I imagine version one wasn't as uh, glamorous as it is to ec- as it can be today. So what did that version one look like? What, what did you have in mind initially when you built it?
1: Oh gosh! It was we definitely had all the bells and whistles in our mind. Uh, so basically, the idea formed in our heads in May 2015, and we set a launch date of August 2015. You know, thinking that hey, <laughs> this this multiple number of months is going to be perfect for developing out. Uh, we wanted to have multiple integrations and workflows and sending invoices uh, and contracts and all that stuff. And we had these great grand goals. Turn out, you know, it's just Jake doing the programming. 72 hours before we had that launch date picked, we, were, we looked at each other and we're like, this is definitely not going to be how we set out. And we made the decision to keep going forward and still go through with the launch date, but give people something excited to look forward to once we do launch. So when we did launch, we launched with the bare minimum of it was a great place to keep all of your contacts and your clients in one place to have projects. Um, but you couldn't accept payments on through the system. Uh, you could definitely sign contracts. So we made sure to have that, but it was very, very minimum. And what we did with that is we just made sure that every single week we are coming out with something new. And that is what made us kind of grab foothold in the community is people were just saying, wow, Dubzato keeps coming out with new stuff every single week. They're really listening to their users. And yes, we we were, but we were still trying to catch up from when we were trying to launch all of this stuff. And it just made, it made a really good show, so -hmm. to say, of launching all these features um, that we just originally wanted to launch with. So it was very exciting to celebrate with everybody, to grow with all of our people there. And, um, you know, all of our other CRMs that are our direct competition were kind of in the same spot as us. Uh, they were about a year ahead of us. So we were, weren't relatively far off from where everyone else was, which uh, with the look of us adding new features and really listening to our customers, that's what really got us our following.
2: Wow, that's amazing. I know a lot of people here can relate. A lot of our, our club members are um, service-based entrepreneurs. About 60% of the club is uh, our entrepreneurs. 40% are working professionals. And I know a lot of you can uh, hear on this call today can relate to launching with my, what might not be, you know, your ideal plan in mind, um, but, you know, has the bare minimum to get you started and especially to grow from customer feedback. How did you deal with that pressure when you didn't have things in place? Um, you know, nearing that launch, those 72 hours, I cannot imagine the stress. <laughs> um, and turning, really turning that, you um, what could be something negative, turning it into what ultimately became your strength and what, you know, customers love you for. How did you manage that personally?
1: That was probably one of the hardest things that I've had to manage, especially with my husband being the person who was driving this forward in terms of programming this. And it was Great. definitely a true test of our working relationship. And of course, like our outside personal relationship. And it wasn't until a couple months into Dubsado where I realized, you know, being a wife and working with your husband, like I wanted to try to like, we need to do this. We need to do that. uh, You need to do this faster. And I realized he's in his zone of genius working as fast as he can. And as soon as I learned to trust that he's working as great and as best as he can, and I need to be working on my zone of genius, and that is talking with customers and making sure that they feel heard. So I took over uh, customer success Uh, Since it was just Jake and I at the time, there was no one else to really do that. (laughs) And once I really realized that, okay, we both have our spots and learning to trust each other and learning to let him carry out the things that that he needs to do when we're both working as best as we can. Um, And then I just fell into taking care of our customers. If they didn't see something that was on the roadmap, I made sure to discuss it with them. Why do they need that? How great of an impact would it be? Here's what we can do. Here's kind of a rough timeline of when we can implement it. And so I really just developed a relationship with every single one of our customers and treated them like they were our only customer because that's all that I personally could control. I can control those relationships and uh, really get to know those people. I couldn't really control how fast the software was being developed. So I just had fun talking to our users and really gave them an inside look on what it's like as a husband and wife company starting a software and those very new users are those, those founding members really just became attached to the product and attached to the story. And essentially, we still have people that have been with us the last six years, they've grown with us. And, you know, those old school Dubsado users, as we call them really shaped us to who we are because, you know, they had a lot of input at the very beginning and really made us who we are today.
2: That's amazing, Becca, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know Sanira talks a lot about um, the first 100 customers and how important it is to really uh, serve those customers in the way that you're describing. And we're gonna go into those first 100 customers and how you dealt with that in a second, but um, I'm, sure every, um, I'm sure all of all of us here um, who are female entrepreneurs may rely on their husband, their partner, even family members to grow their business, especially as they're in the initial stages before they can hire somebody. So talk to us about that um, husband and wife relationship in the work uh, space. How do you guys bounce off each other? How do you guys like work off each other's strengths? Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, the first couple of years were definitely... Rough and just developing what boundaries look like. Okay. You know, you you work with them, you go home with them, and it was you know constantly for the first couple of years, it was talking about business twenty four seven. And it came to a point where we both felt burnt out. Uh, we just both felt tired about talking about business all the time. And Jake and I aren't the kind of people that are just like hard stop when we get home. Cross that threshold, we're not going to talk about business anymore because. When you run your own business, it kind of just, it becomes part of you and it's, it's who you are. It's your baby. You want it to do well. So of course you're thinking about it all the time, but we made sure to set realistic goals for ourselves. When we binge out on Netflix uh, for the last two hours, before we go to bed, we made sure to not have our phones with us and our computers out. And we just set little pieces of the day where we can escape and just be Becca and Jake, not be the founders of Dubsado and going back to, I mean- I would say kids really, really helped us with that because we had no choice. <laughs> we had to be mom and dad. We had to be this. So we were already juggling a lot. So definitely just setting clear expectations, knowing that your life is going to look completely different than your neighbor's life or someone you see on social. And it's easy to fall into that comparison trap. So we just set out what worked for us, which might look completely different to some, some, someone else, you know, some, maybe someone else really crossing, crossing that threshold, going into your house, that does work and cutting no business, uh, once you get into the house that might work for others, but we just found what works for us. And then we you make sure to respect that, and here we are six years later, you know, still sure. striving for that balance. You know, we still find ourselves in these little things, but we stick true to that. We binge out on our Netflix shows, relax, <laughs> go on walks with the kids and really just make sure to take that time away from our phones and our computers.
2: Yeah. Um that's really that's really inspiring. I know for for me for me at least I could never do like go in inside your home and just leave <laughs> it. I will dream about whatever I'm working on. Right? So, <laughs> those boundaries need to be clear, I guess. Um but that is really I mean I I'm glad you you guys found something that worked for both of you and I think um also what you touched upon about leaving him work on his zone of genius cuz how frustrating, right, that you can't move the needle on the things that you right. can't and controlling your controllables really—the um, way that it made a difference for those 100 customers and for that experience that you built—what's um, something that you really credit with uh, building that building that relationship with those 100 customers and building that that um, communicative uh, relationship? How did you how did you approach them? How did you you know set expectations for them as well? Uh, what was that process like?
1: I think it was just really about listening. Um, Realizing that when these people are contacting us, they are trusting us with their business, which is their baby as well. You know, Here I am protecting my baby and building it, and they are entrusting us with their baby and their business. Um, one of my biggest things, and I'll say again and again, is just treating every single customer like they are our only person. Yes, I was the only customer service person at that time. We had a ton of emails and tickets coming through, but I made sure that I looked at each one with a fresh set of eyes and really addressed it from a point of understanding, and it's just, it just—it all comes down to just really getting on their page, getting on their level, and trying to figure out the situation that they're in. If they're frustrated, we don't have features. Empathize with them and say, you know, yeah, we're working hard on it, and really show them a peek inside to what it's like to to doing this. Um, you know, especially running your own business, you can kind of get a little defensive. You know, when people are calling out your product or getting angry at something and things that are, you know, quite frankly, out of your control, but you still have to empathize with them and see where they're coming from. Say, I understand, say, I'm sorry, and just really getting on their level of where they're coming from.
2: Definitely. That's definitely a big, a a big part of it. And and, um, it really goes to show that those hundred customers are still with you. Um, How important that feeling heard and how important that relationship um, truly is. Um, And then after, now that you've grown and now that uh, I assume you're not handling every ticket, (laughs) uh, every ticket yourself, how do you make that part of like your, your company's values, your company? How do you keep that loyal Uh, fan base when it's now in the thousands, uh, tens of thousands even.
1: Yeah. And we have grown now, I believe we are a team uh, for our customer success uh, of about 12 people. And we have guidelines and rules that our customer service people kind of work within, you know, making sure that they don't grab too many emails at one point so they can still give a quick response time to people, you know, if they're chatting with someone one-on-one, make sure you get back to them within like 30 seconds. And we just really strive to make it definitely like under an hour of getting first to their ticket, 30 seconds when you're having a conversation with them, Uh, But when they first, our customer success people, when they first come on with us, they do go through a rigorous training and I go in there and I train them and give them the story about Dubsado. So they really feel those roots of where we came from, even though they're coming in four or five, six years later from when we started, really showing them our customers are the things, are, are the people that push us forward. And basically our biggest advertising right now is our word of mouth. So those people right. that they are talking to are going to be the ones that have a good experience with us and are going to go tell other people. So our customer success people realize from a very early stage that they have a very important job. And that is just making every single person a little bit better than they found them when they come in. You know that's, that's our motto here for our customer success people, just leave them better than you found them.
2: Oh, that's, that's super wonderful. And you can, I guess you can really tell since, uh, the best, the best then, um, mention of that is how those people go, go and tell and tell other people. And if your first, uh, referrals are word of mouth, then that speaks very highly about how you, how you manage those, those relationships. Um, so I heard on a podcast that the first, um, newsletter that you had for the beta launch was 300 people <laughs> and you got that via Instagram. And those were, and from those 300 people came your first hundred customers. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so I know a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs here are bootstrapping their businesses and feel the pressure of, you know, I don't have 5k. I don't have that tank coveted 10k. I don't have, you know, huge lists. Um, How did you, you know, how did you warm people up to the idea of this is the behind the scenes of a husband and wife duo? How how did you sell that process, that CRM process, which in your own words can be like not very sexy? How (laughs) did you, (laughs) how did you sell that um, to people via Instagram?
1: Yeah, one thing of my really main goal that I wanted to do when starting up Dubsado was make software not stale. Oftentimes, especially in the CRM market, it's like you said, it's not very sexy. It's not very appealing. And I wanted it to have a heart with it. Dubzotto, as we say here, is software with heart. And one of my main things that I set forth when just talking through Dubzotto's Instagram is really giving people a peek into what it's like building a system with two kids. One of the reasons why we stay self-funded, and I know we're going to briefly talk upon this a little bit later, is to really show people like you can do things that are completely out of the norm. Like it's, it's definitely normal for people to accept funding, go do funding. And that's totally fine. That works for everyone else. But for us, I wanted people to see like, you can do everything without all of the money. And so I really wanted to show on Instagram that realness of two people growing a company. So I gave behind the scenes. I gave tips and tricks on using the system. I gave, again, more relatable content and I just was talking real. I wasn't selling people on Bebs I was just allowing them to be part of our journey, which was already naturally progressing. And I just gave them sneak peeks as, as part of that. And people just became uh, interested in the story that was unfolding and seeing that growth. Seeing it go from, I know, I remember, I have a picture of me holding um, six packages because we would send out thank you packages to every single customer that signed up, and we still do it to this day, even though it's toned down a little bit um, in terms of like the the how much that package was. And I had six packages. And then three months later is a picture of my brother holding boxes and boxes of packages. So people who have been with us can see this story progressing and this journey. And we really let them in as part of that. And our employees really become part of that family. And whenever someone joins the um, Dubsado system as in terms of a user, they're part of that Dubsado family. So we keep kept roping them back in as they are part of the Dubsado family. So they are Every part along for this journey, as we are.
2: Wow, that is. Um, I see Carolina Flores in the in the chat who has a gifting company. <laughs> gifting works every time, and I'm, sure, yes. and I'm sure it does. It really makes people feel. Um, feel part of that family. And even, even right now, I, I I kind of am feeling that, you know, (laughs) that that warmth, (laughs) you're a great job. Um, I am feeling that warmth uh, that you talk about. Um, I see also on the chat that uh, the first hundred customers from your email list of 300 is incredible. And it truly is. Um, What do you, what do you credit with those, with that first step of that conversion? What were the first things that, that your customers wanted and how has that improved to what Dubsado is today?
1: Yeah, I think since we launched with basically nothing, the first thing that people wanted was the ability to accept payments through the platform. So that was one of the first things that we set out to do. And really, like those first 100 customers, we made sure to target every single thing they were talking about, if it aligned with our vision. I know some people uh, can ask for things that definitely don't align with the vision, and that's okay, you can still listen to them. But we made sure to to target about 80% of what these people were asking. And by launching these features, and really making them feel heard, because we were, they chatted into us. And then within a week, we had that feature launched, they really started to see like, ah, they're, they're listening to me, let me go out and tell my friends about this. One really big thing that we did really quickly was getting our referral system up and running so that every time a one of our users referred a customer, they got a month free. So they felt part and got something in return for this. And that was something that very early on, right when we did that, people just started referring and referring and um, felt connected to the system because they felt like they built it. They asked for that feature. Yeah. It was there a week or two later. So yeah. that's what drove it from the hundred to the three hundred to the thousand and plus.
2: Wow. Um, so really referrals word of mouth that excellent customer customer experience um, and then you mentioned like uh updates being being implemented one or two weeks later that is extremely quick yeah. and um if i'm if i'm not mistaken it was only uh, your husband at the time doing the doing the programming so that's a big big workload and you guys were still working full-time um and had kids while you were putting this in place um which to me it's like Something is not yeah. adding up because that's a lot of hours, right? That's a full-time job, kids and uh, coding or customer customer support, customer management. Um, tell me about a difficult time in that in that sense where you had to balance family, which I know is the case for a lot of moms here, whether they're working or entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, a time where you had to balance maybe motherhood and the job and um, you were a photographer on the side. How did you balance all of those aspects?
1: Yeah, there were, I would say the first Three years of Dobzado were some of our most difficult because it did it didn't really matter what was happening in life, what was the kids, whatever. We still had a system in front of in front of us that needed to get built. And Jake and I both realized that you know after our, our first hundred, 100, 300 customers were like, okay, this this actually is something we can grow this into something really huge. So if we want to create those those boundaries and that space, so that we can have a, a life where we don't work on the weekends or we don't work at night. We need to work really hard now so that we can create that life for us. So we both realized that our, our end goal is not to be working like this 24 seven because we were literally, we would go to bed with laptops, in in our lap you know before we established our our boundaries we would wake up and the first thing that i would do is i was open my laptop start answering customer success tickets before i would go into my my day job which very thankfully i worked for my parents so i was able to still do a few little things on the side there um but it was definitely a realization of this is not going to be forever We are going to get people to come on and to help us. We are going to get other developers. So, we knew that this rat race, as it felt that we were running and running on, it was going to end because we were going to say it was going to end and we were going to get our help. So, it wasn't until about a year and a half to two years in where we brought on uh, about three people, another developer, a customer success person, and that presented new challenges of running a team. And then you grow bigger and bigger. But then at about year three, that's when Jake and I realized we don't need to work on the weekends anymore. We have made it to that point that we have been so excited about. So all of that hard work paid off in that, in that first three years time. So I would say if you're in that period of building, that's totally okay. You don't need to feel guilty about that time that you're, you're building or not going on your walk with your kid or something like that. Like there will be moments where you are just sacrificing left and right. But set a goal for yourself where you are not doing that forever. There is going to be a building time. And there's also going to be a time where you can sit back and look at the fruits of your labor and say, like, I did a great job and people are carrying it out for me. And that's kind of what we had to work with. And um, now we just are able to enjoy times on our our weekends with our kids and really creating that life that we really wanted when we first started Dubsado.
0: While the markets may have seen a dip in Q2 VC funding, it doesn't mean that your business can't scale. It just means it might look different to how you plan. With thousands of in-house crafted integrations of marketing, sales, and service, HubSpot is on a mission to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that's easy to buy, use, and scale. Want to figure out how to streamline your deals? Easy. The sales hub helps you close more deals by automating your busy work. Need to automate your social media? Piece of cake. The Marketing Hub has everything you need to publish, post, and monitor your social media channels all in one hub. And with Service Hub, centralized customer data keeps your support teams all moving in one direction, forward. Learn how HubSpot can make it easier for your business to grow better at HubSpot.com. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder, but getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you.
2: We were just talking about um, what DevSATO is, how it was built, um, how Becca and her husband took it from idea and really um, servicing the problem that they had as creative service-based entrepreneurs in their CRM management. And of course, um, as many people here can relate, ba- balancing that with maybe full time jobs, with being a mom, with being parents. Um, and Sunny, I was really excited for you to kick us off with uh, the part um, talking more about money. And I know Becca, you you guys have have um, not had any capital, so you've bootstrapped the whole thing for six years. Um, a lot, very different to other CRM platforms, very different to other competitors of yours, and. Um, I guess in a certain in a certain way it, it parallels uh, your journey with stacks sunny so that's where where i was waiting where i was waiting for you to come in so we've talked about lifestyle we talked about building it we talked about the idea um if you want to keep keep going there um absolutely want- absolutely so becca let me let
0: me ask you i think one of the hardest things about scaling a company um is investing in in the right people teams processes you can't scale a company at this level by yourself. And there are many different paths to scale, but doing it completely bootstrapped is very difficult. And and it can be done for smaller organizations. It can be done for service-based companies. You don't need to raise capital for it. But building software, you are a unicorn in and of yourself for bootstrapping a company from start to the scale, 60,000 plus customers. Your team is now how many, Becca?
1: 50 plus, yep. <laughs> 50 plus
0: team members and to do 50 plus team members with capital that's coming just within the business is extremely, extremely hard to scale. So, my journey was quite the opposite, as you know. And I just announced on Tuesday another $245 million <laughs> in funding, um, which is amazing. But, you know, if I were to do another company again, I don't know if I would actually raise venture uh, because you give away so much of your companies. So I would love to hear one your experience in deciding this bootstrap journey and you know what do you recommend i uh, like you know i would like to hear a little bit of details of how you even did it at a software standpoint
1: yeah i think there have been different phases in in my husband and i's mind of why we don't want to accept funding and at the very very beginning we were just trying to prove to ourselves that we got this we can do it and it was almost like we don't need help let's just let's just go and, and do it and that was kind of like Our very very beginning mindset. Then, as customers started coming on into the thousands, we started to see like, okay, we are doing this, and you know, we get emails daily about investors and uh, raising capital and all of that. And it was always something for my husband. If you ask him, he goes, "Yeah, I mean, I would accept funding," (laughs) but for me, it's uh, it's more of like I said to all before, like I wanted to show everybody. Whoever is, is listening and whoever is watching out there in the world in our whole entire journey, that you can do it. You can. You don't have to. I'm not the kind of person that likes going and talking to a whole bunch of different people and investors and stuff like that. It's not my personality. I wanted to stay too true to who I am. But also we wanted to to stay agile, to not have to report to a board of directors. We wanted to, when a customer came in and chatted into us, we wanted to implement their idea within the next week. That was the key to our growth. And another reason is we were still learning about the business ourselves. We were still trying to see what it was like managing people, see what it was like growing a software, listening to the needs of your customers. And Jake and I really did talk about it and uh, asked ourselves a few times, should we do this? But then we're like, where would we We wouldn't even know where to put all the money because we were still growing ourselves and we wanted to be part and learn along the way because we are self-funded. Every single hire needs to be the most perfect, most important hire. So you really do a lot with a lot of intention. Uh, Not to say that people who accept funding don't do anything with a lot of intention, but when you're working with Cutting off of your profit or the company's profit and investing it back into the business, you're really, really thoughtful about how you do certain things. So we just became very aware of what's happening in in our business. And uh, will there be probably a time in the future that we accept investment? Maybe. I don't know. Nothing is off the table and I'm not being closed minded. I'm always trying to go in with an open mind. But until, you know, Year six, where we are now, it's worked for us just because we've listened to the needs of our customers. We've grown a lot of people. And I think it would have been a little bit different if we had millions of dollars where we could have just thrown wherever we pleased. Um, so we were able to, to suffer a little bit, feel the pain and work past it.
0: I love it. And it's such great advice for all founders listening. And actually you're not wrong. I want to say, um, you know, when you talk about getting funding when it's not even an easy process to get through, but men raise capital um, a lot more easily than women, less than 3% of venture capital goes to women in general, just that's it. Less than 3% of venture capital. I just got off of, I just came from back from Austin for South by Southwest. And I was speaking on panels around um, investing in women And what's really interesting, Becca, when you said that when you have the options of funding, people actually don't carefully spend those dollars. But what I will say for women investments, uh, if you look at portfolios across all private equities and if you look at portfolios across um, different venture funds, those that have invested in women, those portfolio companies actually become profitable faster, actually grow um, revenue faster faster. Because I think we're more intentional, whether it's our dollars or someone else's dollars, I think we take care of those dollars differently. And a stat that I learned after this whole, you know, all the amazing things happening around our announcement on Unicorn is that, you know, there's a lack, obviously, of just women in this club, like in the Unicorn Club. However, um, if you look at the overall general statistics worldwide of unicorns, it's actually about 12% are female founded companies. And that was like, damn, such amazing power to the girls. Because if you look at it, less than 3% are venture funded, but we're, we're funded less, but we're outperforming when it comes to the magnitude of scale. So 12% of unicorns are actually women. So when I learned that statistic, I was talking about it all weekend long on how important it is actually to invest in women. And I think your point of you know what you made around that every dollar was so intentional, you felt the pain. Um, I think that more companies need to do that because then they're building products, you know, that they're not intentionally building the products based on what their customer needs are. Mm-hmm. And has what, what has made you guys super successful. And I think even with venture for us, we were, we were bootstrapped for the first several years. So people now look at the funding. We didn't have a lot of capital building a fintech. I had to wait to go get, um, you know, a lot of not just tools, but there's a lot of uh, compliance when it comes to payments and risk and underwriting and I needed to actually fund dollars. So even though there was capital, it's not like we could invest capital straight into people and things like that. There was a lot of infrastructure and architecture that needed to have been built. Um, but you know, up until this last journey, I think it's literally been, you know, it was like $20 million in venture funding to get us like, you know, a sizable amount. And I love, love, love what you said on now you're ready. And whether you decide to do it or not, you are in the driver's seat. You get to make the choice. You know exactly how your business runs. You know exactly how to hit scale. You know exactly what your customers need. So then when you take on capital, it's going to, of course, it's going to be so intentional and it's going to drive those immediate results and ROI because you're not in testing anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. It's, so amazing. it's exactly. so amazing. But I want to say, uh, Becca, it is definitely a rarity, especially at this size. And um, it's I feel like more people need to be telling that part of your story because I I think it's so inspirational and so incredible because you did not let anything stop you um, and you invested. You know, what's really amazing, ladies, is if you think about Becca and her story, every dollar that she's making, she's not taking it home, right? Like if you think about it, right? So if you think about a non-bootstrap company, she's taking every single dollar um, back into her from her top line directly back into investing into the business to grow So every new hire comes back from the business revenue and that that's a testament to you believing in your product and your vision to say, we're not going to eat now. We're going to reap the rewards later. Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, something that was, it was very natural at the beginning, just because you're, you're growing a business. You're kind of in that headspace of, you know, head down, focus, let's work, work, work. Uh, Very thankfully and Jake and I were both blessed to have other jobs at the time when we were starting Tabsado so and I had my photography business as well so that was kind of how we we supplemented the w- the income but just making con like you said conscious dis- decisions on going forward and each person knows that that is hired at Tabsado knows that it's coming from our profits it's coming from the company succeeding and having people here that see more team members come on really know what that is about, really know where it came from and celebrate in that growth. When they see more people come on to Dubzotto, our internal team is just so excited to see that the, the Dubsado is growing. We're able to support more people. We're able to uh, get in a new 24,000 square foot building that we were never, never able to before. So it's, definitely very scary at times to know that it comes from the profits and, you know, Jake and I do pay ourselves. So we're able to, you know, be able to live, be able to support our family and not have to to worry about that. So don't get me wrong. We do do that to make sure that we are set and uh, able to enjoy a life that we built for ourselves, but it's just, it is a little bit scary at times, especially, you know, going through, through raises and hiring. Um, But it's just, being confident with the numbers that you have, making sure that you have a good CFO and a good accountant to to give you really good advice so that you can make decisions and know, yes, you are taking from your, your, your profits, but you are still pushing your company forward. You might make a little bit less this month, but that person will give you X amount more money in the coming months to come.
0: I love that. I think it's so incredible. And it does, it makes it meaningful for even like the team members that are coming on board. I would love to shift gears a little bit. I think something that I personally admire so much about how you've been able to scale the company is through your scaling through your customers. I think your customers are um, experts in Auto. They love the, the tool so much that they end up becoming ambassadors for your program, I would love how did you leverage without having a massive marketing budget so this is for all the women who are scaling businesses and they are you know they're they're hitting a ceiling they're like i don't know where to invest in my marketing dollar to go acquire more customers you've acquired you know tens of thousands of customers and are onboarding new customers every month if we could get a little bit more tactical on things that you can share on your marketing and what's working amazing for Dipsado, and this amazing virality that you have with this ambassadors that are actually selling for you. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, something very, I mean, we touched upon um, Instagram and just sharing your story. People are always very nosy about what you're doing on a personal side. So we really did leverage that. And that was definitely something that people were excited about to follow, um, just very rawly put. <laughs> but then another side that we found um Dubsado is a beast of a system it can do a lot and it's a lot of people coming onto Dubsado don't have time they they're they're running a business they have their their parents they are doing other things and Dubsado can be hard to learn cuz it is so multifaceted so one thing that we realized very early on is instead of investing our money into Facebook ads or just really going out there and selling Dubs Auto, we reinvested it in education to about our system. So we immediately before starting a marketing team, we started an education team. And what they did is made sure to have running webinars all the time, have really great help documentation, have really great trainings. Uh, we have for our system, we have study groups that last uh, four to six weeks, where people can go on and set up processes with us, set up their workflows and automations, and they were that was our marketing. People were going and sharing on Instagram how excited they were to be taking Dubsado's training courses and really learning more about their business in the beginning and learning more about Dubsado going along with that. Um, so once we realized we had these really diehard fans and these people that were learning so much about Dubsado. We saw a very interesting shift of Dubsado users becoming experts in the system and going out and setting up Dubsado for other people. So we saw these ambassadors going out and setting up Dubsado accounts. So that's why in the last year, we recently debuted our Dubsado certification program. So you can be certified Dubsado pro, And you can go out and be an ambassador for Dubsado, help set up people's accounts, create setup services, be able to take one-on-one calls. And we call those people. They're basically an extended version of our customer support team. But we're creating a little mini economy around us where people are creating six-figure businesses, setting up and teaching others Dubsado. And that, to me, was a very cool realization that there's not just running your business in Dubsado, there's a business in helping other people use Dubsado. Yes, we provide for, for our users all those resources for free, but there's nothing like that one-on-one personal connection that you can get with a certified Dobzato specialist. So it was definitely very early on realizing that maybe the natural thing to do was to dump a whole bunch of money into Facebook ads, which we didn't really do until year four, but it was just reinvesting it back into education, which then became our selling point in our terms of our, our lineup of competitors. We have, and still have, the best education out there in, in in the realm of CRM.
0: I think that that is so brilliant, by the way, and that I think is a woman's touch. So I want to <laughs> give credit. I don't. I, mean, I don't know Jake that well, but I want to say that that level of customer care, that true level of customer care. Is something that we do as women. Like we really want to create joy for the people around us. That is what we do hands down. That's one of our core values at Stacks is creating joy. Like that to me is so critically important. And it's really tough to scale as your company scales, but it's so critical. And that's what you focused on. You said, if yeah, you can purchase this product, but if I can provide this next level feeling of support for them, getting them set up. Well, guess what? At the end of the day, they're happy, but not only that, it's sticky. You've literally embedded their entire business right now. This is the business cap that goes on. You've literally, they can't live without you anymore because now you have like all your tentacles inside their entire business ecosystem. So you can't rip it apart. Mm -hmm. And that's why you probably also not only have, so that investment up front actually creates lifetime value for your customers because your customers probably don't even leave once they come on Dubsado because they've already now set up their business to run off of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, the goal with with going with education first was to keep churn low and to make people really understand that uh, you're growing your business in a system that could be hard, but running a business is hard. So let's teach you, Let's. I'm going to show you how to do it. And we're right there with you. And that definitely helps churn.
0: You no, know, it's amazing. I think it's so incredible. Thank you so much, Becca, for your time today. We Thank are so you. excited to have you and doing all the things with Dipsado. Uh Until next time at CEO School. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder, but getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stax has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag. So don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.